Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. What's going on, Victory Church? Are you excited to be in the house today, everybody? Hey, I want to greet the OKC campus who's joining us at the Edmond campus. Are you excited to be at the Edmond campus today? Uh, OKC, I'm sorry, but today you get flat John, okay? You get flat John today. Uh, but I'm so excited to be here at the Edmond campus, and your Edmond family loves you. Can we get show some love to the OKC campus? They love you here at the OKC, at the Edmond campus. Uh, miss you guys, uh, but I want you to know, even though you're getting Flat John today, uh, Flat John can t- still speak the word, and the Holy Spirit can still move through Flat John. So I, I got a word today that's going to bless you. I believe that. Uh, those of you that are watching online today, uh, we welcome you. We're excited. We're honored that you're joining us online from, from wherever you are. We have people that join us every single week from all over the world. So we're honored that you're joining us today. It's an honor to be with you. Uh, before I jump in, uh, if you have your Bibles, if you have a paper Bible here, I'm going to give you a, a little advance notice, a little advance time to get over to the book of Isaiah, okay? So you can start flipping to the book of Isaiah. We're going to go to chapter 8, so Isaiah chapter 8. And while you're flipping, uh, I want to let you know, I want you to grab your phone um, and pull out your calendar. Yes, right now, before I preach, I, wanna, I want you to be mindful of something. And if you're like me, if it's not on my calendar, it won't happen. And so I want you to go to September the 18th, okay, a September the 18th. And I want you to enter something in your calendar on September the 18th is a worship night, all right? A global worship night on Sunday night, the 18th. And if I was better prepared, I would tell you exactly what time it is. And maybe somebody to my left can tell me, 5.30. See, the Holy Spirit just said that. Uh, Or Pastor Wade, one of the two. Uh, At 5.30 on September the 18th, uh, this is going to be a powerful night. We're believing... uh, the Holy Spirit's going to show up and do some powerful things, and I just want you to be, uh, know about it in advance. And now it's on your calendar, so it has to happen. Uh, so I'm excited uh, for you to be there for that. Today, it's at the OKC campus. The, another piece of the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. His name's Russell, and <laughs> he said, it's going to happen at the OKC campus, a global worship night uh, at the OKC campus on September 18th. Thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, for reminding me of that. Today, I want to bring a message to you. We're, we're continuing this uh, season that we're in called Uncommon Kingdom, and for a couple of weeks, I have preached specifically on the fear of the Lord, and I, and I really pray that the Lord's been speaking to you in this. I pray that as you've read the Bible, you see this popping up over and over and over and over and over again. And I hope you're not tired of it yet, because I'm going to do one more, all right? I'm going to do one more message uh, on the fear of the Lord, if that's okay. And they're clapping here, so I'm going to assume that that's okay. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about one particular area of the fear of the Lord, all right? Uh, One area that I think it, it... the fear of the world comes up and we see it happening, all right? I want to I address something because the fear of the Lord will always overpower the fears of this world, 
okay? We've, we've kind of learned that up to this point. But there's one particular area of the fears of this world that I've seen really begin to, to, to poke its head up, uh, mainly since 2020, mainly since COVID, mainly since all of the, the, the unsettling, all of the fears of this world, all of the things and the uncertainty that surround us just continues to, to seemingly poke its head up over and over again. And it's nothing new. What I'm going to talk to you about today is something that's been around for centuries. Uh, but I've seen it begin to poke its head up even more and more seemingly in the last few years. And so before I talk about this and before I even tell you what I'm going to talk about, are you interested? Are you piqued? Uh, I want to give you a disclaimer. All right, so here's my disclaimer. I am not telling you what to believe. All right? Now, as a pastor, many times I do encourage you to, to believe in certain things and to trust in certain things. And this will make sense when I tell you the title of my message in a minute. But when I tell you the title of my message, I am not telling you what to believe. And I'm not even telling you what actions you should or should not take. All right? I am simply here to tell you as a friendly reminder from a, your local pastor that as you believe and as you act, I'm less concerned about what you do, and I'm more concerned about how your soul is while you do it. Okay? So the title of my message today, we're going to get practical with this, is How Should Christians Handle Conspiracy Theories? This could be fun. This could get real interesting. So I want to un unpack this today for you. Let's pray before we do it. Father, we thank you that we have no reason to fear because we have a healthy fear of the Lord. So Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would empower me and enable me to correct, rebuke, and encourage in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. if you got that Bible open to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11 through 14, I want to read you a really cool verse that I got to admit my wife showed it to me. Surprise, surprise. All right. Isaiah chapter eight, verse 11. It says, this is what the Lord says, not what John says. This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me. This is the, the Lord. This is Isaiah speaking, warning me, watch what it's warning him to do. Warning me not to follow the way of this people. I'm speaking. I'm reading the NLT version. Verse 12. Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't, this is what I want you to lean into, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Okay, verse 13. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the only one you should fear. A healthy fear of the Lord. The only thing we should fear is the Lord. And then it says, he is the one who should make you tremble. Verse 14 says, he will keep you safe. Isn't that a great verse? Especially for our day and age today. Now, let me revisit my disclaimer for just a minute because somebody's already mad at me, all right? Somebody's already mad at me. I'm gonna revisit my disclaimer one more time in case you didn't hear it, all right? I'm not telling you what to believe. If, 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 you're, if you're prepping and you just, you're halfway and digging your bunker and you're like, great, I'm not telling you not to dig your bunker. Dig your bunker. I don't care. <laughs> dig your bunk, bunker. Get your food. I, I, I'm not even saying that's unwise. It might be the, really wise because I don't know. Each, er, each and every one of us have to decide the what. Okay? We all have to go through this process. 
in the day and age that we live in, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what's around the corner with our government. We don't, want to, don't know what's around the corner with our economy. We have no idea what's around the corner. So your decision on the what is between you and the Lord. I'm not here to tell you what. I'm only here to tell you how. Okay? So I, I, let me say it this way. I don't care what you do with your hands. I don't care. I care what you do with your heart. And as your pastor, I'll never tell you what to do with your hands. I will always come after your heart. And then once I access your heart, then the Holy Spirit can come in and help you what to do with your hands. All right? So I want to lean into this a little bit today. I, I don't care what you believe. I don't care if you think the moon landing was fake. I don't care if you think the JFK is still alive. I don't care if you think Tupac's still alive. I don't care, I, I don't care if you think the, the earth's flat. I don't really care. I'm not trying to tell you what, all right? Isn't this fun? Everyone's like, this is really uncomfortable. I just want to help you know how. Because I think the scriptures are incredibly clear on how we're supposed to walk this out. So I just want to visit the Bible. I want to I remind us, this will be my constant reminder as your pastor, to show you two different worlds simultaneously that we live in, okay? We live in the, the kingdom of this world, and we live in, live in the kingdom of God. And I'm just here to tell you, the kingdom of God is an uncommon kingdom. And if we're not careful, we will become so wrapped up in the kingdom of this world and working with our hands that we will forget about the kingdom of God. And if we will get the kingdom of God part right, then we'll know how to work with our hands in the kingdom of this world. Are you guys excited about this message? All right, so I just wanna unpack this passage and give us a couple of really good reminders and, and understand that we live in this uncommon kingdom of the, of the kingdom of God. All right, so let's go back to this verse. Let's, let's look at verse 12. Let's read verse 12 one more time. Verse 12 says, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. So I want to make a connection here in this passage, all right? This passage uh, ties the idea of conspiracies to the word dread, now, this is a really important thing that it's making this tie to. And this, this will really begin to teach us how we live this out because this word dread is a really important word, all right? This word dread is kind of something we use in our common vernacular where we, we might say, I'm dreading going to this wedding. I don't really want to go. We said we'd go and now I'm dreading it. And every, every introvert said, yes. see, exactly. Introverts don't say amen. They're too quiet to say amen. <laughs> introverts make plans and then the closer the plans get, you're like, oh my gosh, why did I ever agree to do that, right? You, <laughs> you dread it. But this isn't the type of dread I'm talking about. So let's look at point number one. I want you to write this down. Point number one, dread is debilitating, okay? Dread is debilitating. And when we hear conspiracy theories, really what we're hearing is fear. Conspiracy theories are crafted by whoever crafts them to create dread. Okay? So it creates a dread, something that we're fearful of, something that we're anxious about, something that we don't know what to do. And I, the more I've studied this, the more I've realized that the dread is the devil's doing. Dread, it, we all know that fear is kind of one of the enemy's greatest weapons, right? So fear is this broad thing. But even inside of fear, um, God, the, the devil has a lot of tools. Okay, Every torture master knows how to work the tools. 
And the devil has this tool, and it's under the umbrella of fear, but it's a tool called dread. And dread is this thing that is like a scalpel or a razor blade that you die by a thousand cuts. You know, it's not the one thing, it's the multiplicity of all the things in your life that you're fearful of and dreading. And you stay awake at night, picking all these things apart. And the the enemy opens this tool chest up to you and lets you torture yourself. And dread is one of these weapons. So I want to go on the medical side for just a few minutes. I'm not a medical doctor, but I, I studied this for just a little bit. And um, there's this, the, the, this, this concept of dread is med, the medical term for this in psychology and other uh, neuro, neurological uh, studies is called anticipatory anxiety. Anticipatory anxiety. It means you're anxious before there's even a reason to be anxious. It's like you're such a, you're such a go-getter that you're anxious before you even need to be. You know, I'm anticipating the idea of being anxious, so I'm just early to the party. <laughs> you know, there's this anticipatory, um, this, this doctor by the name of Dr. Goldstein in 2007, he was a neurologist, and he did the study. I'm glad I wasn't a participant in this study, but he would use electro, electroshock therapy, okay, and he would get these crazy people who are willing to uh, volunteer to do this, and he would shock them uh, on a scale of zero to 10 in, in, in pain, all right? And so he would tell these people, he would say, okay, in two hours, I'm going to shock you with a four, level four shock. Or you can pick behind door number two and I'll shock you now with a six. Every single participant took the six. They didn't like the idea of having to dread it for two hours and said they were more willing to take a sharper pain now than to have to go through the process of dreading something for a, a course of time. There's this other chemical that your body releases. I've taught on this, it's been several years ago. I've talked about this when I talk about fear. But there's this chemical that your body releases when it's fearful, it's called cortisol. Cortisol is this, is this chemical that your body creates and it's an instant fear that causes you to do something in the moment that exerts this superhuman strength, right? So if a car falls on somebody, we, there's been stories of, of human beings lifting cars off of people. Or if you're driving down the road and a deer jumps in front of your car, cortisol, instant, within a split second, shocks and floods your body and you're able to, in a, in a split second, react and move. And, and if somebody came at you with a knife, cortisol would hit your body. You would react in a moment. And this is a good thing. Cortisol is actually something that saves our life in many situations. But studies have found that when we have anxiety and when we dread things, it actually releases cortisol, but not quickly. It releases it like an IV bag, a drip, 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 drip. And it opens up the valve and cortisol is just slowly released into your system, which can actually have really, really damaging long-term effects on our bodies and our minds. Let me just show you a couple of them. Long-term effects of your brain, okay? From a slow drip of cortisol in your body, which is anxiety, which is dread, is depression, mental issues, brain fog, memory issues. In lab rats, they actually proved that it kills brain cells. It actually kills our brain cells, okay? It it has effect on our body too, not just our mind, but on our body. On our body, the long-term effects are digestive problems, heart disease, um, sleep issues, weight gain, okay? So when we stay up, let's get real practical. When we stay up and it's midnight and we're watching YouTube, and we're checking out the latest conspiracy. 
And that one ends, and we're like, let's just watch one more, you know? Let's watch one more. It actually, what we're actually doing is releasing a chemical into our bodies that's causing long-lasting effects on our bodies, okay? Again, believe what you want. I don't care what you believe. But how we allow that to impact our bodies and our minds and our souls and our spirit man can have real long-lasting effects. There was another study done in 2007, I'm sorry, 2008, in the journal of, this is out of the Journal of Neuroscience, okay? Uh, this is Dr. Fields from the University of California. He did a study on, corti- on, 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 on cortisol, I'm sorry, on dopamine, okay? So cortisol, we all know cortisol, we talked about it. Dopamine is actually the pleasure sensors, sensors of, your, of your brain. Dopamine released in your body causes addictions. When you, when you do drugs, dopamine, right? When, when you do, um, how many kids are in here? When you do stuff, that kind of stuff, dopamine, all right? <laughs> PG. This study found in 2008 that when we dread, it actually releases dopamine. And this guy found, and he discovered that dread is actually addictive. And you might think I'm crazy, but why do you watch YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video? Why do we listen to that guy that has that podcast that talks about those things over and over and over and over again? Why do we like gossip? Because we have a dopamine hit, okay? So I'm just, I just wanna tell you that dread is debilitating, all right? So that's point number one. You can write that in your notes. So what is our response? Because this is really important. What's our response? Well, let's just go to the scriptures. The scriptures will tell us. Verse 13 It says, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. So point number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Write this down. To defeat dread, you must be deliberate. If you really want to defeat dread, you must be deliberate. There is going to always be something to dread. Okay? How many of you remember Y2K? Y2K? Raise your hands. Come on. We all laugh. We instantly laugh. I remember Michelle and I were dating at the time. We stayed over at some, it was like, it was like we were going to the fireworks show. It was like we we're the countdown, you know? We were just going to, we had our popcorn. We we're like, what's going to happen? You know, we're like camped out in these people's living room. We got candles ready. We got everything ready. We got everything ready. We got toilet paper. We got everything we need because that's all you need in a crisis is toilet paper, you know? We learned that in COVID. We had everything we needed just in case. And we're like, five, four, three, two, one. Mm. Mm. Okay, let's go, <laughs> you know? COVID did this to us, didn't it? COVID was like, we were all just waiting for the next shoe to drop. What were we doing? We were dreading. We had anticipatory anxiety. This is what we had. And so in order to to defeat this, because guess what? There will always be something to fear. The kingdom of this world, all it has to offer us is fear. It's a broken world. It's a broken system. Everything about this system is broken. So why are we so drawn to it? Why are we so drawn to the thing that's collapsing? Why aren't we drawn to the thing that will never collapse, that will never weary, that will never suffer? And so we're drawn to these things. So we have to be deliberate in doing this. I love how this verse says, it says, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy. You know what that means? It means it's not going to happen by itself. 
It's up to us to make it holy in my life. And I also like how it says the Lord of heaven's armies. You know what that tells me? This is a battle. This is a battle. And if I want to win this battle in the kingdom of this world, I have to enforce, enable, empower the king of heaven's armies to be more impactful in my mind than this world. Okay? Let me show you what this says um, in the King James. All right? I love the King James in verse 13. The King James says this. It says, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Now, this word sanctify is a big word that, that is, is thrown around in the seminary. We really don't understand the word sanctify a whole lot, but let me just show you what it means. In Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word kadash, and it means to consecrate, to dedicate, to set apart. So it's, it's, it's saying it's holy, so you got to set it over here. Now, we say this all the time. We've, you've been, if you've been coming to this church, you, you, we, I always walk to this side of the podium, and I say the kingdom of this world. And then I walk to this side of the podium, and I say the kingdom of, of God. We have to be able to separate the two. When we become dreadful, when we become fearful, it's because we're trying to combine the two. We're trying to make the kingdom of God operate in our minds and how the kingdom of this world operates. And they say, no, you have to sanctify them. You must set them apart. God is holy. He is different. He is set over here. And so in our minds, in our soul, in our mind, our will, and our emotions, we set it apart and we separate it. Uh, 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 to the other side. So they're, they're separate. And what this does, when you separate the two, you can actually compare the two. And what you'll find is the kingdom of God is always bigger than the kingdom of this world. Always. So what does that mean? It means that God is bigger than Russia. God's bigger than China. God's bigger than North Korea. God's bigger than our government. God's bigger than our president no matter what presidency it is, right? It allows us, when we get our mind right and we separate the two, then it allows us to do an actual real-time um, comparison. And we'll always understand that God's bigger than all these things. Let me show you an example of this in the Old Testament. Okay, in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? So this is Elisha. Elisha, his servant is with him. The servant looks up and sees that they're surrounded by the enemy. This is a conspiracy. Okay? Most people don't even know what a conspiracy is. Conspiracy just simply means someone is conspiring against you. A conspiracy theory means you don't even know if it's true. So someone is conspiring to attack and kill Elijah, Elisha and, and his servant. And guess what the servant says? Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Anticipatory anxiety. He's dreading it. Now watch what Elisha says back to him, verse 16. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What's Elisha saying? Let's, well, let's compare. Let's separate it. Kingdom of this world, kingdom of God. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us, right? Verse 17, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, 
so that he may see. You know what I pray? God, open our eyes. Open our eyes so that we can see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So God opened the eyes so that they could see what was bigger. So this is just a simple sermon from your neighborly, friendly pastor. Uh, let, me, let me show you what Colossians says in the New Testament. Colossians verse two, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit. Yeah, this word vain deceit, I won't, I won't take the time to show it to you, but this word vain deceit in the Greek means empty, void of truth. It's saying, be careful, lest someone tempt you to believe in something that you don't even know if it's true or not. It's a theory, right? So this, these are words coming from the, from the scripture. So let me just show you the best example, all right? If we're gonna look at different examples in different verses, we should check out what Jesus did because Jesus walked this earth and we think, we think we're the only ones who have ever experienced conspiracy theories, right? That the, the no one else, it's only happening now. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus experienced conspiracy. The difference is he didn't experience conspiracy theory. He experienced actually conspiracy because the Sadducees and the Pharisees conspired to kill him. Herod conspired to kill him. Judas, his own partner, <laughs> conspired to kill him. And most of all, Satan himself had a massive conspiracy. He conspired to kill him. And we should be way more concerned about the enemy that's prowling, prowling around like a lion, seeking whom he can, he can destroy. That is way more, way more scary than any conspiracy on this earth you could ever imagine. There is a real devil that is conspiring to destroy you. Okay, so we should, we should really wake up to the idea that there is a difference between conspiracy and conspiracy theory. And can I just be real blunt, not to you guys, because my church is perfect, but to the body of Christ, okay? If we're this fearful and wound up over theories, how will we ever survive when there's actual conspiracy against the church? Because there is coming a day where we may not be able to gather like this. So how are we going to survive when somebody's actually conspiring to kill us? Right? So how did Jesus respond? Well, I want to show you this one verse that's so powerful. So in Luke chapter 13, um, a lot's going on. You can go and read the whole chapter. But at, at, at one point, the, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they kind of gave him this warning. They were trying to trick him. But they gave him this warning. They said, leave this place and go somewhere else because Herod wants to kill you. So, so they're basically saying, Jesus, there's a conspiracy. Someone is conspiring to come and kill you. Now, let's watch how Jesus responds to conspiracy. Okay? Not conspiracy theory. This is how he responds to actual conspiracy. Watch Luke 13, verse 32. He replied, go tell that fox. That's Jesus' best attempt at cussing, all right? That's his best attempt. <laughs> he wanted to say something else, but he knew it would be recorded for all time, for thousands of years. 
So he says a different F word. He's like, fox, you know, I'm gonna use the word fox, all right? He uses this big F word, fox. He says, watch this, you go tell that fox, watch, I will keep driving out demons. I will keep healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, watch what he says, I must press on. You know what he did? He separated the things of this world from the kingdom of God. And he's like, I must be about my father's business. The things over here are way more important than the things over there. He's saying, you know what he's saying? He's saying, whatever's happening over here in the world doesn't impact my mission. Doesn't impact my mission. If we're really children of God, what is our mission? That's the real answer, that, the real question that must be answered. What is our mission? If America is taken over, does it affect my mission? If, if the economy crashes, I know we don't want to like talk about this stuff, but we're in church, let's talk about stuff. If the economy crashes, does that affect my mission? If it turns out that the vaccine was full of little tiny robots and they're in my head now and they're telling them where I am, does that really affect my mission? It, to spread the gospel, to populate heaven. What, what, what about this impacts our mission, right? So, so this is the question we always have to go back to. So let me show you one more point before you guys hate me and get and walk out, all right? Isaiah chapter eight, let's go to verse 11. I wanna read the whole thing one more time and then I wanna share my last point with you. Isaiah eight, verse 11 says, this is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. Don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. Verse 14, he will keep you safe. That might be the best part of this whole passage. He will keep you safe. Right before that, he is the one you should fear. He is the one that should make you tremble. I think I might have just found another treasure that the fear of the Lord unlocks. Point number three, if you're taking notes, no conspiracy can separate us from God. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. So, uh, David wrote this. I love this passage. David was in the middle of a conspiracy when he wrote this. His own son, Absalom, was conspiring against him, all right? Now, I want you to hear the words of, of David as someone is conspiring against him, all right? Psalm 27, verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will tremble, who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, that means they surrounded me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then will I be confident. This is the guy who has figured out the right thing to fear. He has a healthy fear of the Lord. Let me show you what Paul says, all right? A couple more verses and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Romans 8, 34. 
Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Watch verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now watch what all the things it lists here. Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we are considered as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced, this is, this is Paul. If Paul's convinced of something, I'm convinced. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, that pretty much sums it up, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's get real practical, okay? Believe what you want. I, don't, I, I genuinely don't care, all right? I, I'm not saying that I'm not preparing myself for some crazy times ahead, okay? So this is not a shame-filled sermon to, to get on to anybody who, who is actively preparing for anything, all right? I'm not saying, please hear my heart on that. But it should not impact our heart. Okay, so here's a couple of really practical things that I just wanna walk you through, all right? Let's get real practical. When we start feeling anticipatory anxiety, now this can, can be about anything, not just conspiracy theories, all right? This can be about as parents with your kids, this can be, you can apply this to any area of your life, your business, your career, your marriage, anything. When we start feeling anticipatory anxiety, when we start feeling that slow drip of cortisol, and if you've ever felt this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your heart's racing, you just can't seem to calm down. You're constantly, your mind is constantly drifting. There's no peace in your mind whatsoever. A couple of questions we can ask ourselves, okay? One question you can ask yourself is, how does this impact me today? How does this impact me today, okay? You can also ask yourself, how does this impact me tomorrow? Because the Bible says that I should not worry about anything tomorrow. It says that he, he clothes the lilies of the valley, you know. He, he provides for the sparrow. How much more will he provide for us? Why should I worry about tomorrow? But the real question we should ask ourselves is, how does this impact me in eternity? How does, how does what I'm worried about impact me for a thousand years from now in eternity? Okay, therefore, this thing that I'm worried about, how does this impact my mission? It, what is your mission? We may need to spend some time in our, in our private prayer life really writing down, why am I even here? Is it for wealth? Is it for influence? Is it for the things of this world? If I step out of the things of this world and I step into God's kingdom, in this area right here, I have to answer this, the, the question, what is my mission? And then once I decide what my mission is, no devil in hell or on earth can stop me. No conspiracy theory, nothing on earth can stop me once I figure out what my mission is over here. So I just wanna conclude that I'm challenging you, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm encouraging you, and I'm encouraging myself, guys, because it's easy to preach a sermon. It's a lot harder to live one out. 
okay? So I'm not saying that I don't struggle with these things, I do, all right? So I'm talking to all of us, myself included, we need to guard our hearts and our minds. Uh, Philippians 4.4, 4, this is Paul's words. This is a word in my concluding thoughts. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. You know, if you're dreading, it's really hard to rejoice about anything. Paul says we should rejoice all the time. <laughs> Verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all. If your dread is leading you down anger and anxiety and worry and shortness, he's saying, no, 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 let your gentleness be evident. And he says, the Lord is near, okay? And since he's near, since nothing can separate us from the Lord, with that, we can, then, then we can actually live this next part out. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your what? Your hearts and your minds. That's what we have to guard. I don't care what you do with your hands, but guard your heart, guard your mind. Let that determine what you do with your hands. And then Paul concludes. So we conclude, conclude with the same thought. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says this, think about that. You wanna know what you should think about? That. <laughs> but the one I wanna clue in on the most is the first one he lists. You know what the very first one he said you should think about? Think about what's true. Do you know what a conspiracy theory is? It's a theory. Do you know what you don't know is in that? Truth. So what do we know to be true? Here's what I know to be true. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I know that he's my provider. I know that he's my defender. I know that he's my protector. So we go back to what we talked about in the, one of the first weeks of this season. I'm gonna go back to what truth says. What do I know is true? I know that the Bible is true. And so I'm gonna build my life on that foundation because if I try to build my life on conspiracy theories and the ways of this world and my fears, that is a shaky house that affects everyone who walks under the roof of that house. So my kids feel that anxiety. My, 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 my coworkers, my staff walk under my roof, they're gonna feel the foundation that I've built that, that, that on. So let me walk you through one exercise and we'll close. So close your eyes for just a second. We did this in the staff the other day in, in this week's staff meeting. And I wanna walk you through it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture in your mind your greatest fear. Whatever, whatever that is. For some of you, there may be a bunch of them. That's okay. Conjure them up, man. Bring them, bring them to the surface. Let's be honest with ourselves. What are you afraid of? Maybe, it, maybe it's related to your children. Maybe it's related to a sickness or an illness or, a, or an accident or, or maybe it is some government conspiracy or maybe it is this fear of the unknown of the future and finances and I don't know what it is, but I'm just asking you to, to kind of bring it up in your mind. I've been doing this for the past several weeks. I will purposely make myself allow that fear to rise to the surface. I wanna call it out for what it is. 
and I must identify it and I must bring it to the surface so that I can compare it with something. Okay, so this may be something you need to do every single day before you start your day. You let that fear rise to the surface in the things of this world. And then I want you to picture, I don't know however, maybe you're a, maybe you're a very, you know, creative thinker, imaginative, whatever, however this presents. I want you to picture Jesus walking into the room. The Bible in Revelation, it describes the presence of the Lord. It says, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This is this picture that it's big. It's so big that when it came into the room, everything else had to get out of the room because it was that big. It filled up the whole room. The train of his robe was so magnificent, so glorious. And now you can legitimately compare the size of the two. Father, we fear you. We have healthy fear of you, Lord. God, we are not ignorant of the things of this world. We know how big they are. We know how scary they are. We know how uncertain they are. And this naturally causes us to fear. So my request, Holy Spirit, is that you would help us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit brings things back to our remembrance. This is one of the things the Holy Spirit does. So we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, in these moments of anticipatory anxiety, that the Holy Spirit would come in like a flood and lift up a standard against it. That we would have a healthy, reverent fear of you, Lord. Speak to us about what our mission is, Lord. What is our mission? How do you want us to respond to every new story, every new news article, every new post, every new podcast? How are we supposed to respond in our souls? God, give us the wisdom and the know-how to respond in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.